to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lemmerbrand. I'm Managing Director of Brightvision as well as host of this podcast. Today we're going to talk about the road to profitability in a sustainable way, which is a very interesting topic and we will also dive into it from a very process and structured perspective. And we have an expert with us in this today, Jeremy Spiker, who is the Managing Director of Winning by Design. So uh, welcome so uh, very much to our podcast, Jeremy. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. And um, I have been following Winning by Design and your uh, content and you uh, as a uh, company for uh, probably two, two and a half years or so. But for people who are listening into this podcast and don't know who you are and what Winning by Design uh, it's up to and so forth please give us uh, your background and a little bit about what winning by design is about yeah absolutely um so yeah thanks again for having me um so um my my personal background is uh, uh initially management consulting and then uh, transitioned into um SaaS b2b SaaS sales at uh, various uh, leadership roles over the years um and um has have been working closely together with uh, with actually winning by design throughout my my professional career. Um, so um, um, first a customer and now uh, via uh, a believer and, and having seen the impact at first hand that it both had on on me personally as well as on the companies that I was working with now and managing director for winning by design. Um, so for those who don't know winning by design, we're a um, Silicon Valley based. Um, management consulting and uh, training and coaching firm uh, focused on um, B2B uh, companies with a, um, re- a recurring business model. Um, and um, we try to help them um, by very scientific oriented, process oriented um, ways to help them create more visibility into their processes, predictability, um, but also uh, help create enablement, uh, process-oriented enablement, uh, marketing enablement, sales enablement, customer success enablement. So we invest a lot of our money and our resources into um, R&D research and development of of, of that kind of things in order to to make sure that we always stay ahead of the curve and and we can be that uh, that industry expert when it comes to B2B uh, recurring business models. Yeah, and that's so interesting. I, I must say, I have come across a lot of sales methodologies and sales training companies, sales books, and so forth uh, over the last 25 years I've been in the business, but none of the other ones have so, uh, I would, yeah, as you said, a, a, a measurable or scientific approach to sales and marketing funnels as, as winning by design. And why is that? And what's the background to that more, you know, technical approach right well firstly the person who started all of this Jakob van der Kooi, um, is an engineer uh, uh, from 
uh, from his background, right? So, so that's probably a very an important, a very important component of, of how this all started, right? But why this probably resonated so well with the market um, is because uh, it's all about margins in a B two B recurring business model. Whereas, you know, traditionally, if we look at um, on-prem software or hardware companies. You know, they were selling multi-million dollar contracts and uh, win rates were the only thing that, that they cared about, right? Whereas if we look at if we look at B2B companies with a recurring business model, uh, the win rate is just one component of, of what is truly important and what is really moving the needle. And the reason for that is because 75 to 80% of the revenue actually comes after the initial sale, right? So we don't only need to think about how do we get to that initial sale, but also how do we get our customers life? as fast as possible, right? And how do we get our uh, customers to buy more and to consume more? Uh, how do we get the referral, uh, referrals in from our customers, right? So, so all of those elements play into successful uh, software companies with a, with a recurring business model. And um, you see all of those elements that I just mentioned actually add up to a chain, and in other words, a process. And if we understand the process, we understand the different elements that have an impact on that process, and we know how to positively um, how to pos positively um, move those in into our favor. Right? Then we can become more profitable, and we can become more predictable. And that is again important for VC funding, for example. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's where the answer to that question lies. Yeah, awesome. And uh, you have been growing quickly as a company, so obviously there is a high demand for for your methodology and your IP. And uh, uh, I know you have, uh, you know, attracted a lot of good people from uh, serious decisions like John Neeson, who we had an event together with here while he was back at his last company, for example, here at Bright Vision. But uh, anyway, I'm, um, I'm getting a little bit familiar with your IP. And you mentioned uh, uh, a few of them here uh, before we put the record button but maybe you can just uh, give us an overview of the process and the different uh, things that is important for winning by design in order to help companies perform better uh, and what strategies you think are important in order to to uh, to do uh, to set up and drive an effective demand generation and lead generation process for high growth companies yeah sure so the first thing that we often do if we start an engagement is um, something that we also advise all our customers is to uh, do a proper diagnosis before you start prescribing anything, right? Any organization is different. Uh, you have different dynamics, different people, different history, you name it. Uh, so the first thing that we always do is a proper diagnosis in which we try to understand, you know, where are you coming from? What is working for you? Why is it working for you? What is not working for you, etc. But the most important element in in every engagement that we undertake is data. Because all of the other things that I just mentioned are subject to uh, subjectivity, right? They are subject to the opinions of people, the assumptions of people, whereas data tells us the truth, right? There's, there's of course, there's data hygiene that plays a, plays a small component into the the matter in which you can rely on the data or in the degree in which you can rely on the data. But let's assume that the data hygiene is there and then the data is gonna tell us the truth, right? So the first thing that we always advise companies is to use a solid data model and 
the one that we use is that that bow tie that's very um, very many people are probably familiar with. Uh, so we use that bow tie in order to understand um, what are your volume metrics, right? What are the number of, of, of MQLs, the number of leads, SQLs, et cetera. Um, so that's the basic, right? And then if once we have that data, once we have an understanding of the volume metrics, we can use the volume metrics to start looking at conversions, right? And a conversion metric is uh, the number of, for example, MQLs that make it to an SQL we would call that conversion rate three. Um, and that's gonna tell you something about how the performance of your inbound motion is or of the, how the performance of your SDRs is, right? Mm -hmm. And then we can internally benchmark that. We can internally benchmark that against our historic data to see are we doing better? Are we doing equally good or, or less, less good? Um, or we can also uh, use it to um, benchmark ourselves against industry peers. And that's probably gonna tell us even more uh, as to, hey, which part of our process today works well and which is not. And then there's a third component to that, which is the delta time. And so the time delta can be used uh, in order to see how fast it takes for an MQL to convert into an SQL, for example. And again, do a similar exercise. Eh? Use that to, uh, to look at our uh, historic time conversion or look at um, the time conversion of our peers. But ultimately, that is going to give us a really good understanding of what is working for us and what is not. And we can then dive deeper into how to get the same uh, metrics from a, uh, on a regional, uh, from a regional perspective or a product perspective, or look at it uh, from a individual rep perspective to see how reps are performing um, one rep uh, versus the other to see, you know, who are the, the good performing reps. And then once we understand which rep is performing well, we can learn from that rep, right? Like, why is that rep performing 10, 15% better than another rep or an SDR, right? Like, why is that SDR working significantly better or on a region, right? Like, why is our content working significantly better in Sweden than it is versus the Netherlands? Mm. Uh, so, you see that you know the more data you start gathering, the more insights that it's going to give you, and and that's the beginning of that scientific understanding of of what is moving the needle for your organization. So interesting, and you have defined is it seven key uh, KPIs that every SaaS and recurring revenue driven company should measure. Yes, um, I, I think you, you can generalize in saying that there's seven conversions that uh, uh, that we consider to be key to measure the performance of your customer journey. Mm, wow. And what is, you know, what are the typical challenges that you can address uh, that you see when you start working with the typical B2B SaaS companies? that I suppose is, is the most <laughs> common example of companies that you might work with. Where do you see the most improvement uh, happen when you apply a framework like this to their sales and, and marketing process? We only have 30 minutes, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I would say on the... New business acquisition side, there's a couple. Um, what we often see as a big challenge is win rates. Um, the reason for that often doesn't lie in the sales process, but it well, it the, the reason for that often lies in the uh, qualification to diagnose. What we often see is that reps 
and I'm working together right now with an with an um, um, Swiss company, and they are exactly experiencing that. Um, the diagnose is the key to a successful sales cycle. If you do a proper diagnose, and of course you have that proper diagnose at the beginning of this sales cycle, but diagnose is something that continues throughout the sales cycle. If you do a proper diagnose, you will be able to understand really well: is this a solid opportunity, and is this gonna is this opportunity gonna land within the next couple of weeks, months? Right? Is the is the urgency there? Is the impact more significant than the pain that they are experiencing for us in order to be able to win this customer? And often we see that there, that understanding is absent because the skills are not there. So the skill, the reps do not possess the skill set in order to do a proper diagnosis. So that's the first challenge that we often encounter on the new acquisition side of the bow tie. And the second thing that we often experience, and that's more with an, an outbound oriented organization, um, is that um, the volume metrics and the conversions are not high enough in order to build a sustainable pipeline. So that's process, um, the process, the enablement uh, is not there in order to make our SDR motion successful and to um, make sure that we create enough pipeline for the account executives. And then what we often see is that people just continue to add uh, financial resources in um, acquiring more leads, acquiring more databases, uh, just increase uh, the number of leads that we are going after. So rather than making it a more a better experience for the prospect, right? They just think let's add more prospects so we will get more pipeline. Whereas if you do as we just discussed, right? If you have a good understanding of your conversions and you have a good understanding of your process, then you can use uh, knowledge that lives freely on the net or, or use companies like Winning by Design to improve your process. And by improving your process, improve your conversion rate. And as a result, you don't need more leads, but because your conversion rate will be increased, the number of people that will make it through into your pipeline will increase. And hence, you don't need to spend more costs, right? Like uh, that process optimization will result in larger pipelines and therefore more revenue. So interesting. Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. For a smaller company, is it, you know, isn't it quite heavy to to uh, implement a process to keep up with all these uh, commercial metrics? Or do you think, depending on how mature or how big organization you have, should you start somewhere and then maybe add to it? Or do you need the full the full model in order to get it to work? Or how do, how do you go with with a smaller scale up, for example? Yeah. So. I, I do think that uh, if you are a one-man shop or you have uh, a handful of employees and probably something like this is an overkill, 
Um, but when this becomes important is once you start hiring people to do the, the job that you've been doing, right? Like for, for founders, when you do founder-led sales, this is probably less, less so important. But if you start hiring sales reps, the first thing that we often hear from, from people that transition from a founder-led sales into, into a motion in which they actually have sales reps taking over the sales is, yeah, why are these sales reps not able to close the deals, right? I was able to do it and I, I don't have any sales experience. Mm. But the re reality in that is because in order for them to be successful, they need to be enabled, right? They need to have the same amount of knowledge that you have of the market. And typically you as a founder are successful in that market because you understand the ins and outs of that market, mm. right? And that's knowledge that your first rep, your first hired, not necessarily has, right? Mm. Plus you have authority to give away discounts or to give away commitments towards a product roadmap, for example, which I can't imagine a founder being happy if a sales rep comes back and says, listen, I closed that deal, but I committed to us delivering this and this and this within the next three months, mm. right? Which a founder can easily do. Again, that's when we need to start thinking about processes. That's when we need to start thinking about enablement. That's when we need to start thinking about skill development, right? At a probably a lower degree than a scale-up or a grown-up that has two, three, four hundred employees, but there's still resources out there, right? There's YouTube, there's there's a lot of RRP is publicly available on our website, right? And you can use that in order to start building these kind of like data-oriented processes uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and have your reps go through some, some form of training in order for them to be successful. So I think the answer really lies in once you start scaling and start adding people into the organization, that's when mm -hmm. this also becomes important. Yeah, interesting. So, so that's uh, so after product market fit in some sense, as if we're talking about startup scale, as I suppose that. And and the other one, which is a common B two B SaaS problem, is the length of the sales cycle. And I think you uh, mentioned one of the KPIs as as the sales uh, time to close and and uh, winning rates and things like that. Do you have any um, insights into where most B two B SaaS companies do wrong or uh, where they fail to improve the time to close uh, and could improve if they have the measures and so forth? And, and have you seen any clients improve on these metrics? Absolutely. So time to win is one of the easiest time deltas that we can have an impact on. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm saying that is because the sales process, more than probably any other of your uh, seven conversions, is uh, impacted by humans. Mm -hmm. So the reason why a, a time to win is often not uh, close to what it should be, it lies in the absence of the understanding of why a customer is buying. And we describe that as an impact, right? So what is the impact that the customer is looking for by buying our solution? That impact is key. And the reason for that lies in, it's fundamental. It lies in the fundament of SaaS, recurring business models. Mm. You and I, if you and I need a new solution, that costs us 100 euro a month, right? 
we don't need budgets, right? Like we don't need to get budgets approved. We don't need to get that forecasted. Uh, ultimately, it's an OPEX, right? It's an operational expense. Whereas traditionally software and also hardware for that matter, right? Wasn't an OPEX. It was a heavy investment that we had to make, right? Had to make. It was something that we had to forecast, right? Like we had to, in, 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 in the year zero, had to forecast that we were gonna make that cost in year one, right? And hence we knew as sellers, we knew if somebody would come to us for a 2 million investment in an expensive software, we knew that that, that, that person would have budget and would probably be looking at us and customer, uh, sorry, competitor Y and Z. But today, right, they come to us with the ideas like, hey, I'm sitting on this problem right now. There must be a solution for that. Let's Google. Oh, wait, there is company X. Let's look into company X, right? And we don't need budgets anymore. The only thing that we need is we need to prioritize the solution. And we need to make it, it needs to be more of a priority than the, any other priorities that I might have, A. But B, it also needs, the priority needs to be bigger than the pain that I'm experiencing. Mm. And that's where often sales reps fall short. They have a difficulty to help the customer to understand what the impact is on both the, the individual as well as on the company. And they lack to prioritize that versus other priorities that they have. They, they lack the skill set in order to do that or the processes in order to know how to do that and when to do that and where to do it. And if we can help prospects, uh, if we can help teams to help the prospect to do that, to understand, to be able to articulate what that impact is that they're going to experience from it. And we're going to be able to help them increase the importance of that impact. That's when these companies are going to be successful. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. So interesting. So what do you typically do then is to train sales reps in order to magnify the problem and help them prioritize and, and justify the investment and things like that, I suppose. Absolutely. Right. So it's, yeah. it's, it's process documentation, it's skill training, and there's some enablement, right? We might need an additional tool or we might need uh, some additional content, mm. but ultimately it's, it is relatively simple, right? Mm. Ultimately that's, that's the, that's the key to that, to that challenge. Yeah. That's cool. Do do you use playbooks in your methodology in order to train different parts of the team? Playbooks is 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 one aspect of that. Yeah, uh, we see playbooks as being something that um, is is highly valuable in an uh, in an in a SaaS organization or an, an organization with a recurring business model. Again, mm -hmm. because it is going to help you to identify what does what does our process look like from start to finish. What are the kind of like micro steps across each step of that process? And once, if we understand that, right, like that's when we can start training the team against that process, make sure that each, let's call it a micro skill that they need in order to be successful in that process, we can start training them on that. Mm -hmm. And training is one of these, uh, these buzzwords, like uh, there's no organization that doesn't want to invest in training. Uh, but at the same time, very little companies understand how to truly train uh, their team. Um, but also coaching, right? Like training is is typically an, an initial infusion, right? It's it's something that happens once. But the problem with that is if you don't continue to coach on the principles of your training, 
your reps will have forgotten about that training 60 days in. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, ongoing coaching is also really important. Hmm. And a, a playbook, right? A common understanding across the entire organization, what we expect from each and every person, each rep, each manager when it comes to training and coaching is, um, is in our opinion or in my opinion is key in order for these kind of teams to be sustainable, predictable, and uh, and successful. Right, interesting. And if we go back to the 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 B two B SaaS scale up that is uh, struggling with the top of the funnel, they don't get enough MQLs or or SQLs or book meetings with the SDR team to to fill the pipelines and so forth. What do you what would you say is the number one biggest problem or mistake most B2B scale-ups do in these phases? So I think what we what we traditionally have seen at um, fast growing organizations uh, in this in this domain is that the way marketing is conducted doesn't necessarily fit the way the sales team is operating or should be operating. To give you an example, I recently was working together with a company in Belgium and um, they are selling, uh, they're selling a bounty uh, bounty platform uh, for companies in the securities or well, it's a security uh, bounty program that they sell. Uh, and the average contract value lies around 40,000 euro per year. And they, the sales team takes a relatively account-based approach, meaning they work on a set list of, uh, or book of business, a set list of accounts that they have identified as, as companies that could be uh, benefiting from their solution based on a few criteria, so being uh, having a lot of um, content publicly available, having a login page, uh, having an... Um, um, having a, CS, a C, CSO or an, um, an, 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 um, well, a technical role in the C-suite. Uh, and, and the sales team was investing a lot together with the prospection team into working on, 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 on that list of accounts, right? But what we then saw on the marketing side was that they took a completely different approach, right? They were taking a much more volume-related approach, yeah? trying to... Uh, uh, shoot, shoot with, uh, shoot with uh, a, a lot of rifles. Whereas what what SDRs and what sales really needed was support on those accounts. Right? They needed to have breakfast sessions organized. They needed very specific content uh, in order to support the SDRs on the kind of like organizations that they were targeting. Whereas the content that was coming from marketing was relatively generic. Uh, very much focused on feature functionality, right? Whereas the kind of content they would need was much more should have been much more focused on um, on on the kind of like challenges and the kind of impacts that the key personas are looking for. Again, that CS, CSO or CSIO, um, and um, I think that's that's something that we often see is that um, marketing, prospection, and sales are working rather in silos than as a well-functioning team and that jeopardizes the customer journey uh, and and there's many more of these kind of examples but i think that was for me that was very illustrative of an issue that we often see is a misalignment between 
the, the ideal go-to-market motion for sales, for prospection, and for marketing. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah, we should watch out for that not being aligned <laughs> between sales and marketing. And I, I'm sure you see that a lot. Uh, yeah. So, so and, interesting. And I think, you know, we, we are in a, uh, let's face it, we are in a downturn. Uh, the, the, the circumstances are not optimal. Hmm. Um, some of the companies are in uh, some of the countries are in recession, and I don't think, um, um, or I think some some others will follow as well. Um, but every company that we know is suffering from that same condition, right? So mm. rather than I think using that as an excuse, right? I think what we need to try to do is try to use that in our advantage. Mm. And what that means is, and I think that is an, a fair assumption or, or a fair expectation. I think what it means from the PEs that we work with, the VCs that we work with, is that they are they are gonna expect us to, instead of growing at any cost, and we call that growth at all costs, I think what, what we are seeing now is that the VCs, and we speak a lot with VCs, the VCs that we speak with are gonna expect some form of sustainability, right? They want us to give them an understanding of, how are we going to get to profitability and how fast are we going to be able to do that? Like, what, what is the road to profitability? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And I think there is a huge, huge opportunity there for top of the funnel. I think if we can better target prospective customers, um, we can decrease the customer uh, custom of acquisition drastically. And mm -hmm. I think the way to do that and I think that, that applies for any customer, whether you're a product-led growth company, you're an, an, an ABS uh, company, you are an enterprise uh, sales company. I think the, the, the way to do that, again, lies in that process, right? Reverse engineer what works for the customers that we already have, right? Try to understand, you know, in which segments are they active? What kind of personas did we sell, uh, sell against? Um, and reverse engineer all of that and then, that is going to give us a really good understanding of um, what kind of customers or what kind of prospective customers to focus. And, and I think that's the second thing that we see is it, it is no longer a number game uh, out there, not for marketing, not for prospection, not for anybody, because the relevancy of our outreaches, the relevancies of our content needs to be there. Because if, and I, you can probably relate, relate with this, if I receive and LinkedIn in mail, or if I receive a piece of content that is not relevant to me, that doesn't show me that you understand what I'm doing and what I'm what I'm facing on a day to day, I'll just ignore it. Right. Awesome. Well, so interesting and uh, fantastic insights. I'm so yeah impressed by all this content that Winning by Design have developed, and it's it makes such. Uh, sense when, when you describe it <laughs> and now we also haven't had time to discuss the second part of the bow tie the customer success management practices which i uh, actually saw you have released as an open source content is that some kind of experiment you're trying out now or how come we are actually again we we uh, i would say 99 percent of our content is out there and there's no way around it, right? Like we help hundreds of companies on a on a on a yearly basis, and um, I mean, there's there's no way for us to avoid uh, these companies using that content uh, 
across other companies, et cetera, et cetera. So we decided, we decided actually a long time ago to not put our IP behind payment walls or behind uh, expensive consultancy uh, engagements. Um, uh, I think the, what we just released is, um, we call that the um, customer success operating model. Um, and it's we actually have uh, um, the, the same for, for the new business side. We call that the, the recurring um, ROM, so uh, recurring revenue operating model. So that's mm -hmm. that's for the left eye, uh, left side of the bow tie, the, the the new business acquisition, and now we we've launched the same for the for CS. Um, and the reason why we we put that out there is because we we believe that companies need it, especially now. You know, it's it's becoming increasingly difficult in the downturn to win new business customers. So it becomes increasingly important for us to take good care of the existing business. Mm. Um, and you know, many companies actually will survive just by maintaining their existing portfolio, being able to do more with the existing portfolio, right? So if we can help there, then we happily do that. And you know, if companies are struggling to implement some of these things themselves, then that's where that's where we will um, earn our uh, earn our money if we uh, if we get that chance. But that's um, uh, that's the idea behind this, right? Like, let's try companies uh, use that uh, that IP in order to uh, to get through the tough times. And if there's any need for us to help them, we're happy to do so. Mm. Fantastic. Well, uh, I. Uh... I can um, say that I checked it out and it's very extensive and very interesting. So yeah, I can recommend everybody to go there and have a look. And uh, thank you so much for these insights. But uh, last but not least, if uh, people want to check you or your content or Winning by Design's content out more, where would you like to recommend our audience to go? So if you if you are interested in in that revenue uh, operating model that I just mentioned, or the CS operating model, uh, or any of our IP for that matter, it's all uh, publicly available uh, on our website. We have also a great YouTube channel, channel so uh, feel free to uh, to have a look there as well for great uh, inspiring videos. Um, and there's also a landing page there in case you want to get in contact with uh, with anybody from Winning by Design. Uh, you can um, you can drop a note there, and we'll get back to you. Uh, uh, within 24 hours and people are interested to connect with me i'm always happy to connect so uh, i'm on linkedin under jeremy spiker and um, hit me up there great well thank you so much jeremy for sharing uh, about the story by uh, behind winning by design and all the interesting uh, stuff you have uh, uh, done for b2b SaaS and other recurring revenue companies over the years so thank you so much and i wish all the best in the future Thank you. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.